thanks for joining me in Sheffy's Sandbox. I'm your host, April Don Scheffler, and I invite you to play with me and my guest today, Aisha Ikeisha. Did I pronounce that correctly? Perfect. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, welcome, Aisha. In this first segment, we pop into a virtual coffee house before hitting the beach. And being the benevolent host that I am, your order is on me. So what order do you give the barista? Wow. Well, it's three in the afternoon here, and I try to just keep it to one coffee a day. So I think I'm going to be inspired by your incense. Actually, have you ever had a rose latte before? I have. I was telling so your podcast listeners just the other day that maybe a month, month and a half ago, I realized it was a thing and it is my favorite now. It's my favorite. It's so good. Rose latte with oat milk is what I would do. And sometimes you get sprinkles of actual rose petals on top. That's, and, it, and it's perfect for controlling the flow. Rose latte, bringing in the feminine. Oh yeah. That's what I would be doing. Mm. Yeah, I get all my drinks with oat milk now. <laughs> so it is the best. Yeah, I just don't know that I've had any of them with actual rose petals sprinkled on the top. So someday, someday you'll get it and you'll be like, today is my day. Today is my day. Absolutely. <laughs> well, now that you have your refreshing beverage, let's dive right in. The next segment is called I Think I Know You From Somewhere. So in your spotlight moments, Aisha, have there been any claims to fame, times that our listeners might have seen you or your work? Honestly, no. And this goes back into, I think, what I'm here on earth to do. I've been behind the scenes working, kind of building things and not ever wanting to be in the spotlight. So in my career, I'm always just kind of back there doing the things and wanting to push someone else onto the panel or into the spotlight in the meeting or whatever. And that's why this is such a big deal for me. And it's exciting because it's my first podcast. I know there's a pull for me to put myself into the spotlight because I have things to say. And I think it's also transmuting a lot of past life where I've been the support person. So this is my official first time in the spotlight. <laughs> Well, it's well-deserved. As you were talking about being very much in the background and pushing other people forward, I think that's you already fulfilling that role of a leader because we've had conversations about human design before and your cross of incarnation in human design is rulership. Rulership, yeah. And I was reading this quote just yesterday and it was talking about the best leaders are the ones you barely know are there. And so that being said, that is you ruling or leading perfectly. Not with an it's iron so fist, but with that excitement and enthusiasm and kind of knowing where everyone can play their part to the best, leveraging everyone's energy to their biggest potential. So... Yeah, you know, I, thanks for bringing that up. You're so right, too. And ideally, it's about balance. So if I've been in the background, I'm not going to be fully in the spotlight. I want to find that happy middle ground. And I will just say that was one of my favorite quotes. I studied philosophy in university. And Plato was my guy, Plato and Socrates. And Plato said, the rulers who are meant to be rulers will never be rulers because they're not hungry for power. 
And so for me, for Control the Flow, for example, it's not the desire to be in the spotlight. It's just the excitement that I get from bringing this into people's consciousness and bringing it to light. It just enlivens me. So that, I feel that's that middle ground I'm looking for. And for people who don't know you, when you say Plato's your guy, you're not joking. You have a tattoo either with a quote of his or... I do. Yes, I have. So this is my first tattoo. It's the sun. So Plato did all of the writing for Socrates. Socrates said everyone should be the sun. The stronger and the brighter you radiate on your own. So it's a little bit of selfishness for reading that word selfishness. The brighter you shine, the more you'll warm and shine everyone else. So I have the sun. I have poison hemlock, which is what Socrates drank when they put him to death. He drank poison hemlock tea. And the quote here by Socrates is the unexamined life is not worth living. So yeah, when I, when I was in philosophy as a first year, I just felt my, my mind opening up and something was clicking. I was just like, this is where I'm meant to be. And I actually had an Akashic reading years ago where a past life came up where I was Plato's best buddy or right-hand man. So there's an element of that being just off to the sidelines kind of thing but it's cool to be able to bring that in to this life and yeah take a little step forward well the next segment is linguistic tag and guests are asked to choose a word or phrase that they would like to hear used more often in everyday conversation something that doesn't get enough play or enough airtime. and the prior guest chose for you the word embody. So you are tasked to try to somehow fit that into our conversation today, which I kind of don't feel like that's going to be very hard. (laughs) (laughs) Now you also get to choose a word for the next guest to dance with, and it can be a peculiar word that you find funny or just something that's resonating with you right now. So what are you laying down for them to pick up? Okay. I've been thinking about this. Actually, it didn't take me long to come up with my word. But it's scintilla. Scintilla is the word. So it's been with me for a very long time. I think it's beautiful. It's basically the smallest, tiniest little spark. You can barely even see it. It's a scintilla of light or a scintilla of a spark. And I think there's so much hope in the word. And that's really how change happens and progress happens is just by one little spark. So if you can grab onto that, it's like the birth of something completely new. So Good luck to the next person using Skintilla. (laughs) (laughs) What came to mind when you said that is that I was actually on a podcast with Lori. It was called Improviding Life. And she ended up naming the podcast episode, Perhaps Makes Possible Possible or something like that. But yeah, it just opens that door. So I love that. You don't have to see the full picture just yet but just that little spark exactly so when I do readings for people sometimes the message can feel huge and the changes that you're being asked to make can feel so far away from where you are and so I really like to pull it back down and be like no it's just it's a tiny little step everything happens in the smallest degree so that's where the skin pillar comes in if you can just grasp that small spark and start to nurture it then things are going to progress in the direction they're meant to. You and I met a little over a year ago now. I just posted in the Energy Tribe chat 
that I had celebrated my one-year anniversary in the Energy Tribe. So Gabrielle Ginter, host of the My Leap of Faith podcast, she had organized a group of women who really wanted community. And we joined that. And you were already in maybe the initial group of people. And I was a little late to the game, but I was really hoping to be accepted and welcomed into the group. And I really was. And I have met some lifelong friends from this, from this energy tribe. So in my solar return reading that I had ordered last year, and I aired it on the podcast, the biggest thing was me calling in community as well as boundaries, working with boundaries. <laughs> so those were actually two huge things. But at the time when she was talking about how there's a lot of 11th house activity and I was going to be calling in community, it felt outside the realm of possibility because I had been craving that for so long. And it just felt like this pipe dream. Yeah, I just call it in. But no, really, I was so hungry for it, but I was thinking it wasn't possible. Well, maybe two, three weeks after that, I was introduced to the Energy Tribe. And yes, I definitely got that sense of community and some, some kindred spirits that I could really grow with. And so that's how we met. Is there anything that you wanted to add to that? I guess just, yeah, it's been an incredible year. And I think it's a testament to everyone's intention and energy that we were all bringing in, how much relationships have grown and we've all progressed together. And there's been certain connections that have been made that move into different subjects and stuff. But it's just, I think, really cool because a lot of us have spent a lot of time siloed and feeling very alone and like we don't have people to talk to. And once we got together, the the way that you could feel that energy. And I know I remember like it was yesterday, the first meeting that you were on. And I was I was so into you. I was like, oh, she is so smart. And I love the way you communicate and talk. And we have these little subgroups, right? And I just kind of knew you were going to be in my subgroup. And of course we were, so we got to bond that way too. But yeah, it's just been a beautiful way to form lifelong friendships, but also to be in resonance with people, I think it's the coolest part of it. Yeah. One of the ladies has a fantastic relationship with the pendulum. And so she, any of the newcomers, she would ask the pendulum, what type of subgroup? And they were based on the elements. Uh, and we were initially in the, <laughs> the OG water group. <laughs> it was really neat. Sure. It was great having the larger community, but then also these little smaller containers in which to cultivate more of a, an intimate feel because I am one of those people as a projector, I don't do very well with pintas, which are three or more people actually. So I do a lot better cultivating relationships in smaller, smaller groups, really one-on-one, -on -one. but I, I loved that opportunity that we were given to, yeah, kind of just share our hearts and the daily struggles and victories alike. It was really, really neat. And then as we've gone along, I found out that you do readings. You're an astrologer. And so I had you do a reading for my daughter so that I could get a grip, <laughs> literally and figuratively, <laughs> on what was going on and how I could best parent her. And it was really eye-opening because... Maybe you can talk a little bit about 
I know that's not, this is not the focus of our conversation today, but you might want to just touch on it, the type of astrology that you practice, because I felt it was really impactful for me because I think we never want our children to face the same challenges that we did. And so we kind of parent from that place of wounding. And that's what I realized in my conversation with you as we were going through this reading and I'm crying because again, it opened my eyes that I was parenting from this wounded place of trying to protect my child when you were like, she's actually not going to have any issues in that area. So this is going to be more of where her challenges in this lifetime are going to be. And really all you can do is support her to the best of your ability, but she's not going to have the same experience and the same vulnerabilities, if you will, or the same lessons to learn as I did growing up. So you, if you would just touch on that briefly. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's so nice to be able to give that message to you just from my perspective having that message come in and I always say the soul recognizes truth so we can be talking for two hours and someone's listening and there's going to be a few nuggets that hit you and you're like boom that was for me or oh that's something that I instantly resonate with and so I try to bring into my readings I mean I open Akashic records when I do them because I think being divinely guided or having insight from our higher selves or from our team is the best way to get these messages. And that's really how I've created my reading. So I call them soul chart readings and it's a look at your birth chart, but it's all under the context that our, our birth chart is perfect. It's a perfect soul decision. It's, it's aligned and chosen by our soul, bringing in all of the past life lineage, genetic DNA loading, but also our soul's essence, our soul's core personality, which you know is lovely to connect with that's kind of like regressive energy. It's something great to know about yourself, but it's not necessarily where we're going. So the progressive energy in the chart is your tools, your personality planets. And then I'm looking at the lesson, lessons, the challenges that are embedded in the chart and ultimately where you're headed, which to me is largely the North node and the ascendant sign. So that's how I created the soul chart reading. I really want to bring in messages from the soul I want people to know it's a soul decision and sometimes it's the most simple message by letting you know that's not her journey in this life now you know so now you can compartmentalize you can focus on her and you can focus on you and I do love I love doing readings for parents for their kids because hopefully it's setting you on a path where you're aware of what they're going to go through and you can support them but I also try really hard to we're not here to protect people from their lessons either so become aware of it and help them and coach them and then it often does help you separate yourself from those people I think everyone should do it whether it's with your kid or with your partner or your best friend it's really cool to to see where those karmic relationships come in and where it's like listen you're just the vessel so get over yourself She's doing her own thing and you're just trying to, you know, <laughs> you're yeah, just trying I think to keep as up. Parents, <laughs> our, our fear is that we just don't want to mess our kids up. Right. <laughs> and yeah, of course. Th that was the, the, the whole gift of the reading is that her journey is not my journey. I mean, of course they're interconnected in such a way that I was gifted with this opportunity to parent such an amazing soul, but at the same time, 
I'm not here to pad life, but that she is here to experience life and to learn lessons. And so that was really great for me that my job is to just e help equip her to the best of my abilities with healthy coping strategies, learning strategies, etc., to help provide the best lens possible with which to view what's happening in, in her world. So totally. Yeah. Well, that is not what we came on the podcast to talk about, but I felt we needed to at least touch on that. Why we are here is for the YouTube watchers, you can see above, control the flow. So this came about, I was looking at Aisha's bio and it said, control the flow guru. And it had a little red blood drop. And I was thinking to myself, okay, this could mean several things. Control the flow. Like if it was talking about a menstrual flow, that doesn't even make sense. So, okay. <laughs> Next, are we talking about controlling the flow of manslaughter of blood? That's definitely a valid, worthy cause, but how would you be a guru in that? So however way I spun it, I couldn't just let it go. I was like, okay, what is a control the flow guru? And Aisha, take it away. <laughs> Okay, wow. That's a loaded question. I'm just going to start with the word guru. It's kind of just a joke to me now, I guess with myself, but I mean, we're moving past gurus, obviously. No one's out here trying to be a guru or hopefully not. I think we're all just becoming these beautiful teachers spreading our message, but I'm calling myself a guru because, you know, my whole life I've been controlling the flow and yes, we'll get into what that is. But I just throw it out here and there and tell people, oh yeah, I, I can do this. And if people are stopped in their tracks and they're like, excuse me, what? And I just pass it off like it's no big deal. But when people started reaching out to me about it, so the energy started collecting around this. And you asked me, I was on a trip to San Diego. I was actually with Gabrielle and I pulled her in passing and she was like, wait, you can't just say this like it's normal. Like, okay, I get it, right? So she she mentioned it, you mentioned it, someone else mentioned it, I'm like clearly the universe is saying, bring this knowledge out. So I started Googling it. Is there anything out there this? Are women doing this? There's literally nothing to be found, which these days I think online is super rare, right? Pretty much everyone's thought of even a little scintilla of anything, you know, and put it out there, but can't find anything. So I'm jokingly calling myself the guru because it seems like it's a brand new concept. And so I really think that energy is pulling and it's time to let this out there. So with that introduction, I'll finally tell you what it is. <laughs> so since I was young, quite young, I've always been very much in my knowing when it comes to my body, when it comes to my autonomy, I'm very much have complete sovereignty over what I want to do with my body. I've always been that way since as long as I can remember being a kid. I remember one time my dad's friend was visiting us and he had these two beautiful girls who were about my age. I was probably like eight or nine, long hair. And he came in and he told me, you're not going to go to school like that, are you? And he told me I had to brush my hair. And I was just, who is this guy trying to tell me what to do with my body? I remember that. And there's been a lot of other things. So I start teaching people, telling them how I've always had this very innate sense of this is my body. I know how to control it. It talks to me, 
And I just have a natural sense of what is good and bad for my body. So for example, I stopped using toothpaste when I was a really young kid. A dentist told me that if I ran out of toothpaste, I could just brush with water. And I was like, okay, then I'll only brush with water. And I did that my whole life. I use natural toothpaste now, but even then I only use toothpaste sometimes. And we've found out since that fluoride can kill. It's toxic and high levels. It calcifies your pineal gland. So those types of things from a very young age, I just knew I didn't want to have in or on my body and I didn't. And so when I got my period, that followed suit. I felt it was completely unnatural to use period products. I hated the way that pads felt. I was comfortable with tampons, but also I felt like, what the hell are we doing? Plugging up a problem. It didn't make sense to me. And I just, I just hated, I hated using them. I hated buying them. Now we also know that period products are extremely toxic and prompt me later about how absorbent the vaginal canal is. But just to stick with what is control the flow, I realized from a really young age, I didn't want to use any period products and that I could actually push out my period. And if I did that, then I could control when I would get my period. And so I've trained my body to only get my period when I want to, which is basically when I go to the bathroom. So that's controlling the flow. And I've successfully for 20 years been able to like, I don't buy pads. I don't buy tampons at all. And I just control my menstrual cycle. So then I was like, oh, wow, she is talking about menstrual flow. What? It was a little bizarre for me, but I'm coming from a place where I felt really disconnected from my own body. And I had a memory show up on a social media platform that reminded me of something I posted 12 years ago, 10 years ago. So mind you, I'm still like 30 years old at that point. So it's embarrassing for me to admit, but I was saying that PMS was God's way of like a natural form of birth control. So that just shows you how disconnected I was from what part of the cycle even that someone was the most fertile, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, there's no a, one there's said anything to me. <laughs> maybe, maybe they thought this grown ass woman should know better or or something, but yeah, I came from that place where maybe I'd gotten a certain bit of information and then I ran with it, but I was trying to put two and two together and I got 17. I don't know what was happening, but yeah, from a young age, even I grew up in a very religious background. And so it was not that my body was my own. My body was God's. And it was for my future spouse. So I did not explore anything. <laughs> and I was just really so very disconnected from, from what was my body's wisdom. So that self-knowledge and knowing of your own voice that you had from when you were young, I'm in such awe. <laughs> That's really cool. Then I'm like, okay, well, how does this work? So then you set up a, a video that was well, a Zoom meeting, right? And you recorded it 
uh, so that you could replay later. But during that Zoom call, first of all, you start off with how you had gotten these this, these other messages from your body about how maybe sunscreen wasn't the best. Fluoride and toothpaste just didn't feel right. All these other decisions. And that how when it came to time where you were started menstruating, all the period products felt like, oh, this didn't make sense to you. And this is where we can touch on the science of how absorbent the uterus is because we, we think, okay, well, what, what is wrong? Somewhat devil's advocate, Aisha. Okay, what is so harmful about putting a tampon in there? It's, it's a tampon. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, okay, before we go into that, I just want to touch on to that whole part of exploring and having connection with our bodies as women. I'll speak from that perspective because it's what I know. So I, I just kind of imagine a bunch of executive types sitting around a boardroom table thinking, okay, so women aren't getting their beards, they're bleeding every month. What do we do with this problem, right? And to me, it's just stick something up there and, and then we won't deal with it. Okay, so that's, that's what we have now. But what that does to our body and to that, that age where we're just learning about our bodies at the time that we get our period is it basically doesn't bring up or encourage the conversation at all of understanding our cycle, knowing how our body moves and changes throughout our cycle. And there's been some like really incredible stuff, even about productivity in the workplace for women, how we run on a monthly cycle instead of a daily cycle. So the workday is created for men. And I totally feel that I'm in tune. And when I'm working, I'm doing reports and I'm very, very productive when I'm about two weeks, a week and a half into my cycle. And then, yeah, it fades as I get closer to PMS or whatever. But any chance that we had to be connected with our flow, basically, I think got taken away once we started using period products, pads and tampons, because what happens then is your body just goes on autopilot. So if you're using a tampon or a pad, there's no trouble with bleeding all of the time, right? Because you're not worried about accidents or embarrassment or ruining your clothes. So we just let that run. We just let that happen. And that's what everyone's used to. So when I tell people you can control it, it's almost so far because we haven't been training ourselves our whole life to be tuned in and think, oh, it's coming or this is what it feels like or what phase am I in, right? So just when it comes to the connection with the body, I really think the products themselves have put us on autopilot. And so there's this really exciting part of reclaiming who we are as women and how we know our bodies and become mindful of our bodies. I know we're, we're talking about period products getting a bad rap right now. And that's kind of a pun, a bad rap. Okay, sorry. <laughs> um, okay, but, but when these products first came around with the tampons, it did feel the opposite. It felt very liberating and freeing because we were now able to compete in this market alongside men. And in the 70s and 80s, there was this huge push that men and women should be treated equally in the workplace. And women were trying to break this, this ceiling as far as pay and equal treatment and stuff like that. In the past, before these products, I think what we have in our minds is these red tents, right? Women were 
were set aside for a whole week or the length of their period away from the community. And that wouldn't work for a lot of the, the regular work week, Monday through Friday, nine to five. But that being said, do you think people were controlling the flow back then? Yeah, yes, I do. I know because I'm, I'm connected to that part of myself. And in my seminar, I teach women about squatting, the power of the squatting position, which is the most efficient way to give birth. Squatty potty is making a huge ripple right now in the scene. I don't know what scene that would be, but <laughs> squatty potty. And so I talk about squatting. The reason why I love squatting, squatting is such a primal position to be in as a woman that feels very empowering because I do a lot of camping. So I'm out in nature, right? I squat to pee. The most beautiful places I've ever peed have been squatting on two rocks while a mountain stream flows through my legs. And it's the same with if you get your period out there, you're, you're going to the water, you're going to dig a hole somewhere and you're spending time there. When, the reason why I love camping and being in nature is because you have the time to do nothing, but spend time with whatever you're doing at that moment. So I think there's power in reappropriating the story of um, how women have experienced their periods. And to me, what I felt very connected to is a more primal version of myself who would have went and just been in a higher consciousness control over my body and said, it's time, go and deal with things until it's gone and then go back to work or whatever. That being said, Absolutely. Evolution and industrialization and, and societies like ours that had access to the gift of having menstrual products and we we're able to work and that's moved the needle in so many ways. So I'm not, I'm absolutely not against period products. And the, the really cool thing is there's been a lot of information come out. And so we'll talk about the absorbency and the toxicity and all that. And you can get all natural products. You can get unbleached products or things underwear I love because that gives women a completely different option. But I think the timing is perfect for this message now because we are elevating our consciousness. We are giving more thought to things and being mindful over what we put in our body, on our body and mindful of our body. It's just becoming more commonplace. So it definitely served its purpose. But I do want women to know that there's an even better way. And I've felt so free my whole life. I've literally felt like I came here and I'm like, I don't even have to deal with that problem. My period comes and goes and it's no bigger deal than just going, going to the washroom as frequent as I usually do. I have a couple of thoughts. One of those is you mentioned that you love being out in nature. Those people who follow you on Instagram will be delighted with lots of pictures of you exploring nature with your dog and with your partner out in Western Canada, right? That's right. Yep. It's beautiful. Yeah. And then secondly, I think I wanted to mention that when you say controlling the flow, that doesn't mean you are controlling when you get your period as far as when it starts. So I think that could be maybe a misconception when people first hear that you're able to control when you get your period. You're in tune with your body and you're able to feel when the cycle is about to begin. What you're able to control is once your period starts and you get your body signals that it's about to start, 
you are able to hold that in for periods of time until you are able to go to the restroom and expel that and then kind of close up shop until you take your next restroom break. And you do that for the length of your cycle, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So when I say control, yeah, the week or so that I have my period, I'm controlling it in that it's not just coming out of me anytime. I'm deciding when it comes and I'm making it happen when I want to, and then not having to use any products in between. Right. And you were promising us, uh, us being the people who were attending the first Zoom call, that we could control the flow with practice and sleep on white sheets. <laughs> I was like, wow, now that's, that's holding a, a, a bar I made a big, high. Yeah, you're right. I did make a big claim there. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I know it's possible, right? And I really believe in it, but the thing is, is patience and time. That's why I bring into it that we've been on autopilot. You're not just going to turn it on and automatically be able to, because there's a disconnect between how we feel our body during that time. And it also requires a bit of a sacrifice in terms of like you're a slight routine change. So if you want to get right into it, you really have to commit to the practice and don't give up. I've had a lot of friends that are really intrigued, but they, they try it and they fail a couple of times. I think it gets incrementally better as soon as you become mindful of it, but you have to stick with it. And it might take a year or two to get to the place where you're comfortable not wearing any protective underwear or wearing anything to bed, for example. But I know it's possible. And so that's why I think it's cool to get the message out and have people like yourself. You're in the test group of people that are trying it out and we all get to get together and learn from each other. And just in general, talking about it and bringing this more taboo subject to light and being able to get into it is in itself very freeing, I think. Before we get into the how to control the flow, because we will, I promise listeners, we will get into that. I will tell you that I've had one period since learning about control the flow. And I'm so glad that you're granting us, you're giving that permission or that grace that it takes time and that it could be incremental changes. Because I tried it for the first time, hoping that it would just click for me. I work in a machine shop and so I am the only female there to begin with. And it goes from the really awkward questions of, okay, what do I do with my period products? Where do I dispose of them? Because people are going to know that it's me because I'm the only female in the shop. But then it also goes to, if I am giving myself enough time, the, the 20 minutes or so, and you can tell us what's average, but if I'm granting myself that time, I just felt so uncomfortable. I, I did not feel comfortable giving myself that much time in the bathroom, taking up the only bathroom for one, but then also I'm the office manager. And so I'm expected to answer the phones, et cetera. I can imagine like if the phone's ringing off the hook, they'd be like, where's April? She's been in the bathroom forever. So I'm trying to navigate... I'm trying to navigate that uncomfortable place right now, sure. what that looks like for me. But Yeah, absolutely. I totally forgot about the problem of having to conceal 
right? You have to you have to wrap it up you can't flush it and put it I just that just came back to me yeah that's of course those are all legitimate concerns I think the first thing I'll say is this takes I mean it it takes a lot of guts to talk about right it's only until now that I'm coming out with this and talking to people and putting it on my Instagram and everything but I think in that conversation we had about industrialization and how we came out of the red hut and now we're here, then the next step of that to people who commit to doing this and having that conversation are also committing to saying, oh, sorry, I have my period. <laughs> people need to be able to hear that. We need to be able to say, oh, yeah, I just have to run real quick, you know? So you might not be comfortable with that at first, but I do want to implore people to start like, we're women. It's a beautiful thing that happens. It's what allows us to create life. And it's difficult for sure in the workplace, but it's kind of a get out of jail free card anytime you do have to run to the washroom and people will instantly understand it. It's just kind of who's brave enough to say that thing, that taboo thing, but all the men you're working with have daughters and wives and they know what happens, right? So I get it. That's part of the learning curve too, right? Of controlling the flow. Well, they might um, not know that I'm controlling the flow. They might think, okay, it's just going to take five minutes for her to do the the pit stop right <laughs> that's why I encourage people to say it with my partner he knows when I am on my period I'll go and I'll say oh I have to control the flow before we go if we're going for a hike I, I have to hit the bathroom and spend a few minutes there even if he's ready to go at the door I'll be like Oops, I, I actually have to go control the flow first he just gets it and I explain to him and he knows what it is he probably thinks it's crazy and he doesn't understand but that doesn't matter and that's why I also say like yeah sometimes I just walk out with pride and I'm like yeah that took a while I'm controlling the flow right now I'm at the point where I'm proud of it but I think if you could say I think realistically no one's gonna bring it to attention but if they do or if you have to say something and you were to say oh I'm on my period right now or why did the phone ring too long sorry I missed it you know I'm dealing with something no one would ever question you again, right? And so mm -hmm. the other, I think, really important caveat to this is it definitely doesn't take 29. We're talking five minutes max at okay. a time. Yeah. I would, that's, okay, that's, that's where my misunderstanding was. So that's yeah. I'm glad that's why I have you on here to clarify things for me <laughs> and the listeners as well. But yeah, just talking about those incremental steps, I know you had talked about just in similar ways that period products have allowed us to go on autopilot and kind of disconnect from our cycles and rhythms. You were also saying that period tracking can kind of be that same type of crutch. And I, I think that for some people, it can be that incremental step, right, to helping them get back in touch with their body and logging, okay, what's the consistency of my vaginal discharges, et cetera. So for those of us who need a starting point, I can totally see how those types of things would be really, really helpful. But yeah, ideally we would be just that much in the flow of our body's rhythm. That yeah. We need. And it doesn't take long. I used to use those period tracking apps too. And it's so interesting because it gets you thinking and looking and spending time down there being like what's going on right and then the cool thing is when you connect to that to your mood and this is where your comment about pms being the best birth control it's 
it's true in a way, right? It wasn't that far of a stretch, but you will start to notice how a day or two after your period, you're horny right away, right? And you're becoming super fertile. And those two weeks, you feel less bloated. You feel more beautiful. You're just, you have energy and everything. And that also, by the way, is when women are the most productive at work. And you'll be able to tell when you're ovulating because your mucus changes, it gets really clear, sticky, and that's super beneficial. I mean, it is, that is nature's birth control. If you know you're ovulating and you don't want to get pregnant, then maybe just say, let's not have sex, no matter how horny I am for the next two days, stay away from me because you're going to be really horny, right? And then it drops off right away. You see the mucus change a few days later and it's, done and you're done and you're just like okay don't touch me that's also very empowering in the relationship you're constantly going through these highs and lows of oh sometimes I want to sometimes I don't or why right now am I just cringing when someone touches me well if you connect that to where you're at in your flow you know for basically two weeks out of the month you're just like, yeah I'm not into it my body is telling me no it's not because I'm not attracted to you and then leveling up that and being able to talk about that with your partner and be like oh you caught me should have tried four days ago when I was ovulating I'm, I'm over it now get me some chocolate you know oh it's so freeing so yes I totally just bring it back to the app think it's a great idea to get on there and start tracking things or just honestly google it and use paper and pen I think especially in the U.S., the way things are right now with reproductive rights. I have heard a little bit of musings about apps potentially being something that are, are public domain and they're collecting data. So maybe think about that, the implications that might have of tracking, because ultimately you're letting a company track your menstrual cycle. Because you are more, you're more susceptible to, to buying certain things during your cycle. And yes that too it's wow it's such a dynamic such a dynamic cycle we have i was listening this morning on my way to work i was listening to this podcast the podcast itself is called off the grid and this episode in particular was talking about how these algorithms for women they do factor in where you are in your cycle so they know when to time when you are confronted and these advertisements are thrown in your face because they know exactly what the best time is. And so we may not even know <laughs> our, exactly. our rhythms, but they, they may know it better than we do ourselves. So yeah, it's a good yeah. point. Yeah. So, so that's why I say, don't use it as a crutch, maybe use it for the first little bit, but then this is all about getting back to using your intuition and just being in your knowing. And I think that's the spot to get to. And then you don't need the products anymore, ideally. I was thinking about this just earlier today. So I think it's just, it's very synchronistic that we're talking about it. But I was thinking about how I wasn't really feeling much in the mood today. It just, my energy is a little lower. And yeah, that libido is just not there. It was maybe last week. And I was thinking that my husband, he might would take that personally if I didn't communicate to him, it's not, it's not him. It's not personal. It's just where I yeah. am in my cycle. And that can be, like you said, very liberating and bringing your partner into, into that rhythm with you. It can be yeah. really healing. It's so healthy, so healthy and healing because 
being rejected when you try to initiate with someone is crushing, even if you have the most trust with your partner. And if you don't know why you're rejecting them, then you get guilty too. So both yeah. partners are suffering. And if you just know where you're at in your cycle and you start to connect the dots, you can just say it, communicate it, and that's it. Everyone just goes to bed happy or <laughs> as happy as they can be. Delayed gratification. <laughs> so do you want to get started in the actual steps or do you want to talk about how absorbent the vaginal canal is? Where do you want to go from here? Sure. Yeah, let's talk about that because it's it's something we glazed over, but it's super important in my opinion. I was looking at your slides during the presentation and I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, wow. I know. It's a real eye-opener, right? So when I say period products are toxic, that carries so much weight with it because the vaginal canal is the most efficient way of absorbing substances, basically. So I work in the cannabis industry in my nine to five, and I know that if someone's looking to use cannabis for medicinal use, for example, or to get the most bang for their buck, or maybe they're dealing with some kind of chronic issue and they have to be on an oil every day, it's expensive. What's the best way to consume it? You can get pure oil in a jar, right? So most people take it under the tongue, but actually if you were to use it as a suppository through your vaginal canal, it's 80 times more absorbent than any other way that you could take in a substance. So that's right there shows you anything that you're putting inside your body putting inside your vagina, if it has any chemicals in it, then it's absorbing it at a much, much, much higher rate than if you were to take a pill or to breathe in smoke or something. So when we look at the toxicity, and I try not to get into numbers and science because I really am coming here from a place of being in my intuition and my knowing, and I don't do, I don't do a lot of research. I just speak from my heart. But when we are thinking about, you know, the, first of all, the products are bleached, right? There's a lot of other chemicals, which you can just simply Google in there and we're putting those into our body. So I like to let people know that because it's not just that we're trying to rid ourselves or do a fun experiment with our bodies. It's that actually you are putting harmful substances into your body. And this is a great way to get away from that. My question that came up to me was, okay. That being said, I can understand how harmful tampons would be because that goes inside your body. What about pads that are just up against your body? They're not inside. Yeah, I think better for sure. I mean, again, they're, they're bleached. They have absorbent chemicals in them and they're resting against you all day. So it's, it's, the same. It's not as bad. Absolutely. I don't even know if I can say that for fact, but in general, they are products that aren't natural. So we're just trying to return to a more natural and free way of being. All right. So I am super excited. Let's dive into the steps. One, two, three. How do we control the flow, Aisha? Well, actually, let's start. You start this before as we're starting to get signals what is yeah tell, tell us about that let's start there yeah and that's why it's important to know your cycle because you want to start gearing yourself up and getting ready mentally when your period is coming right so 
it's really a mindfulness thing to begin with. You're going to start controlling the flow. So you have to start tuning in with your body. So one thing I like to tell people to do, and I do this every morning, I have a pretty strict morning routine. I start the kettle. I let my dog out. I light incense. I put on the same morning playlist that I have every single day, same songs. And during one of those songs, it's Wind of My Soul by Cat Stevens. <laughs> I squat during that song for the whole song. And I just, I just squat, I stretch in that position. And I practice, I guess you could call them Kegels, but really I'm just reminding myself where those muscles are. And in that position, it's really easy to get familiarized with that area. And I say, squeeze the front, squeeze the back. I'll get into what that means. So becoming mindful is a practice that I think women should do every day. The squatting position is really good for you. Would you be willing to share your Spotify morning playlist with us? I will. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'll share it. Cool. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. So um, squatting is a great position women should do anyways. It's great for your pelvic floor, which as we get aged, that gets weaker. And a lot of women have to end up getting a, a, the little insert, a pessiary. I don't know the last time that I squatted. I am sitting cross-legged on the floor, but yeah. Oh, April. Yeah, so. I mean. You gotta squat. I told you to squat in the seminar. You haven't squatted? Yeah. Well, I guess I missed the part where we're supposed to squat every day. So I definitely was squatting during the, trying to eliminate the, the blood flow, but yeah, I was not squatting every day. Okay. So I think well, squatting every day is great because it's getting you into routine, right? It's getting you into routine. It's giving you a dedicated time to practice working with your muscles and getting familiarized with that part of your body. So squatting every day and then as you get closer to your period this is why we want to know what part of our cycle we're on so we can get ready because you're going to have to be kind of mentally tuned in and the way that I describe this and I think every woman knows this feeling okay so if you're standing and doing the dishes or vacuuming or oh my god I'm only using stereotypical women activities which is horrible <laughs> painting you're you know you're in your zen moment right you're walking the dog we all know and we're not prepared for it we have the moment where your period comes right you feel it and then you know it's come out of you and it's a little bit warm you can feel that and what do you do you just go okay well I got my period and you go to the bathroom right or do you put a tampon in or a pad on to prepare no I always wait till after it starts you wait till after it starts. Yeah. So we all know, we all know that. But that I have plenty moment. of those oh shit moments. <laughs> yeah. The oh shit moment. We all know it. So really the, controlling the flow. And I'm telling you, you can do this. It's the moment when you go, oh, oh, I got my period. And then it comes out. That's the moment where you go, okay. And you get yourself to the bathroom. That's where you can hold and you can go. And when you sit down, it will come out. And not before, no. It, and again, this takes practice. So the first part is just tuning into that moment, right? It's, it's coming, my period's coming every day. I'm waiting, I'm waiting for that moment. And then when the moment comes, you're catching it before it happens. This is why this is intuition. This is why us being connected with our body. The way, just to pull this back to astrology, when we think of the intuitive signs, we often think of maybe the water signs, cancer, Pisces, very intuitive, right? But I think one of the most intuitive signs here is a Virgo. 
they're so connected. They know when to plant, they know when to sow, they know how to control the chaos of this tangible world we're living in. And that's the kind of intuition that comes from the body. It comes from your sense of knowing in the here and now. So when you're connected to that, you almost know it's coming beforehand. So you're spending more time on the toilet. You're pushing before you even have that moment when you're just going for a pee because you know your period's coming, right? So that's the very beginning step is getting intuitively tuned in and being ready for it in that day or so. And then when that moment comes where you go, oh, then you can actually hold and getting to the bathroom is important. I'm not going to underestimate that part of it. Going to the bathroom right away. I think where a lot of women get caught up is that they're too much in their routine. They're not used to doing this. They don't know the importance of going to the bathroom right away. And that's where you do have to honor yourself. Yes, we've come out of the red huts. We're working now, but we're trying to even like supersede that. So honor yourself by going when you need to go and sitting there. And what I call it is bearing down. And we'll talk about then how you push it out. Okay. Yeah. So we have had that oops, a tear moment. We are holding, we are in the bathroom. How do we bear down, Aisha? Okay. Well, if you've held on, good for you. You've made it to the bathroom and sit down really at that point, I mean, your flow is so heavy, it's just going to come right out of you, right? So usually you start peeing and your period obviously flowing from different spots, but you'll get a stream of red. And that's the most rewarding thing ever, by the way, too, when you get there. Have you had that moment yet because you've been doing this? No, not yet. <laughs> okay, well, it's coming, I promise. So when you hold on and you get there and you sit down and you just let go, there's no pushing at this point. So there is an element of being very passive and because sometimes you can be too, too uptight or I find myself pushing too much and it's not until I just let go that it actually comes out. So it's going to come out and then that's when you spend time. So I do recommend anyone get a squatty potty because that squatting position is really going to help you. If you don't have one or if I'm traveling or something, I just use the hotel garbage bin and I just turn it sideways and put my feet up on it. But bearing down, okay, so let's get into that. So squatting, when I talk about squatting, when you're in that position, or even if you're just sitting on a chair, you can do this, but it's easier when you're squatting because you're just really able to have control over those muscles. There's a muscle at the front that you can push on. There's a muscle at the back that you can push on. So any woman will know the muscle at the back, of course, is what we push when we have to go poo, right? And the muscle at the front is, you know, you've pushed out a baby. And when you strengthen, say, your lower abs at the front, that's, that's kind of pushing on the area that you want to connect with because your uterus is in that lower ab kind of area there. So in your push, you can practice right now strengthening those muscles. And you can feel whether you're tightening at the front or if you're pushing at the back. And you want to know the difference between those two because you don't want to be pushing the back at the same time as the front. I think that's probably a, a recipe for a hemorrhoids or a prolapse. So that's why, again, I, it's important to do the squatting and to know the difference between those muscles. 
And I really find, so what you want is to be pushing from those front muscles. So if you've had a baby, it's your baby pushing muscles. It's pushing from your uterus because you're getting your uterus to contract, right? And what I find is really great is if you lean forward on the toilet to do it. So that's where the squatty potty comes in handy. So you have your legs up and if you're kind of leaning forward, you've taken the pressure off of the back of say your spine or your tailbone sitting back where then you're going to be inclined to push from the back. If you're leaning forward, you get into this great position where you can really focus on pushing from the front of your lower stomach and your uterus. You kind of clench or hold the, the back where the poo is, and then you push from the, from the front. So that, like you said, you don't get those, those hemorrhoids. <laughs> it might feel like a clenching to begin with because you're, you're new. And so you're really being, you know, specific about being careful and, and focusing in on those muscles. But after time, I'm able to just be relaxed and just push from the front. So that's part of how, again, taking time and you're strengthening these muscles too, right? So taking the time and getting in the right position and just kind of focusing, you will be able to relax in the back, party in the front. Here's, here's another question for you. How do we know when we're done controlling the flow for now? How do we know we're, we're done waiting for all the blood that's going to come out to come out and then we're free to go about our business? Yeah, so you'll know because you'll be pushing. And I guess a caveat, an important caveat is that you're wiping pretty often. So you, you're wiping and seeing how much blood is on the toilet paper. And if there's still globs of blood, then I would probably go back to pushing. I would push, wipe, push, wipe. So you're kind of wanting to wipe and it does take a lot of wiping. The other thing to realize is that inside your vagina towards the base of your vagina, you have a lot of skin folds, right? As well as your vulva and blood will get in and around there. So if you're controlling the flow, it's not being soaked up by a tampon where everything's kind of nice and clean. So you do have to wipe quite a bit. And so just get used to that. But as you're wiping, you'll see, okay, there's still quite a bit of blood. So I'm going to push a little bit more. The reason why you're spending that time pushing it out is because if you just go to the bathroom and you don't push, then there's a buildup of blood that's going to be leaking out throughout the whole day. So what we're doing is we're pushing it out in one sitting so that there isn't blood. It basically has to pool again before it starts leaking out again. So that gains you a longer amount of time in between. And then eventually your body will just know when you go pee, the period blood also comes out. It's incredible. It comes out like a stream of pee. It's a beautiful thing. And then you spend a bit of time pushing. And if you don't have a lot of time, if you're at work, you just lean forward. You do three or four really good push. You wipe like five times. And then you just make a point of going to the washroom more frequently and or going to the washroom and putting your time in before you do a, an activity. Like I said, if I'm going out for a walk and I have my period I'm on my heavier flow days, well, even if I don't have to pee, I'm going to go to the washroom and I'm going to control the flow because I don't want to have an accident on my walk. So to answer your question directly, when you're wiping and you're pretty much cleaned up and you can make it to the next sitting. 
Okay. Which takes us to the question of how long does this controlling the flow last? When would you need to go to the restroom next? Or as you, as you call it, the washroom. When would you need to go to the washroom next? The washroom. <laughs> I just go whenever I have to naturally go pee. And so okay. I guess there's another caveat here. I drink a lot of water. So I have my water beside me at all times. This is a one liter bottle. I drink at least two of these a day and I drink a lot of water in the morning. So it's also a good excuse because we should all be drinking more water to up your water intake because you're going to be going pee more frequently. And that's when you're going to be going to the washroom and pushing. So I think I would say for me, it's just anytime I naturally go to the bathroom, but I do drink more water than the average person. So maybe up your water intake or set a reminder where every hour when you're starting, go to the washroom for a few minutes. And that also will alleviate for you the problem of feeling like you have to spend an awkward amount of time in the washroom at work. If you just go more frequently, do a quick push and then go back. Perfect. So I think that basically covers the biggest steps, but there's something I'm missing as far as the whole process. Because I didn't, I wasn't able to stick to the end of the, the Zoom call and I, I did not watch. Right. Anyway, so. Okay. So yes, there's a few just tips and tricks. Okay. So I guess while I'm just finishing up on the topic of that bearing down and pushing time, the more you push, so take advantage of the times when you do have bathroom time, when you're home alone and you have nothing to do, that's when you can really get, get into your body and get re-familiarized and push a lot and notice how much you can push out. So take advantage of that time because the other thing is the more you push, the more you're saving yourself that day, you're getting so much of the blood out. And so you're going to have a lighter flow for the rest of the day, for example. And the other tip that I gave everyone on the call, and this is getting pretty intimate now, but when you're having a shower, you can squat in the shower and you can get your fingers up there and push. And that really helps to move things out. And I find doing that, it feels great because it's making you feel, oh, you're just getting things out of there, washing it down the drain. But it also really completely cleans things out where for the rest of that day, things are pretty light and you're in the squatting position totally. So that really helps push, push that blood out, out of you. So that's a good tip for moving through the period faster. The other thing that I say is a few women that I've taught this to have relied on panty liners and period underwear. And while that sounds like it's a good idea, what I've found is it takes those women so much longer to learn if they ever do because they constantly have that safety net there. And because such a big element of this is really tuning into your body, really becoming mindful. I mean, mindfulness is hard. We're, we're all on a journey of mindfulness, right? You're becoming more mindful of your body. If you always have a safety net, if you always have a panty liner on, that autopilot mode that we've all been trained to go on since we first started getting our period is so strong in us. I find women that I've talked to that always have the safety net, they don't learn because there isn't that critical importance on it. Whereas if you're going out and you're saying, oh my God, this is terrifying. 
but I'm just wearing normal underwear and I'm controlling the flow and I'm going to this party and I have to go to the bathroom. I have to prioritize this. Then you're going to learn so much quicker and you're going to be so much more invested in the process. Mm. Okay. That makes sense. That makes so much sense. And I wanted to say that one of the, the cool selling points is that there have been several people who you have taught to control the flow successfully. So you're not just this unicorn of sorts that is extra special. I mean, you are, you're very special, but you're not unique in that only you are able to do it. You've been able to teach this method to other people successfully, and they've been doing it for years and years. You give us the example of your sister, right? Yes. Yeah. She's, she was my little buddy and I always had her under my wing when she was younger and I'm about five years older than her. So I started teaching her. I mean, she would do anything I would do and I used my powers benevolently. So I started teaching her very early and yeah, she's been controlling the flow for years and years and years now. So I know it's not just me and I just, I know that there's this intuitive element of being a woman in control of our bodies that we're all kind of just waiting to get back to. And now's the time, like I fully believe that people can do this. The presentation that you shared with us that I attended, is that available for our listeners to watch? Is it publicly available on YouTube for me to share the link with, with them in the show notes? Yeah. Okay, yeah, perfect. Sure. I mean, it's not, you've seen it. It's not super edited. Do you think I should make another version of it? Or oh, no. I, I love the, I love unedited stuff. So, okay. yeah. So, the realness just, of yeah. it. <laughs> yes. It was it's good. Been perfect. Well, I am very rarely the one with time constraints, but this evening I am going to be the one that's the party pooper. So, we'll have to close this up for now. But you're more than welcome to use the same link that you used to book this. You can come on the show anytime. I would love to have you on, but let's talk about Aisha's Sandbox. How can people find out more about you and follow what you're making in your own sandbox? Oh, I love that. Okay, so I'm building a castle <laughs> on my, no, okay, edit, definitely edit that part out. <laughs> Wait, I want to hear more about the castle. I don't know. I'm I'm building this castle. I'm not sure what I'm doing in there right now, but I'm building it. And I have all these different rooms. In some rooms, I do astrology readings. In other rooms, I help people build their spiritual businesses because that has marketing and sales experience. And I guess now I'm also spending a lot of time in the washroom controlling the flow. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, my Instagram is where I share my life and all of my outdoor activities. And there's also a link in my Instagram bio. And I usually promote what I'm doing with my spiritual business, which is astrology readings. So I do soul chart readings and Akashic readings. And that's all on my website, which is aishatasia.com. Lovely. Oh, and we should invite everyone to, if they want to try controlling the flow, the meetup meeting which is in august it's on the new moon in august i think we're moving it a few days so it can be on the monday and we're going to get together and talk about the first couple months of trials and challenges and just support each other in the lifestylist podcast luke story ends his pods asking his guests this question so i love it so much i include it in mine who have been three teachers or teachings 
in your life that you might share with our audience that they could go research and also learn from? For teachers, I have to say Ralph Waldo Emerson is one. He's an American philosopher. He's a speaker, which is um, souls that have come to earth to speak truth. And one of my mottos is speak the rude truth and always. And I've really learned a lot from him. He's incredible. And he writes poetry. So April is right up your alley. Paul Selig, he wrote I Am the Word and many other books. They're incredible. They're channeled activations. They've been life-changing for me. So I've heard of him. I've heard him on some podcasts where he channels. And yeah, so would you say that if people wanted an introduction to him, would that be the book that you recommend is the one that you mentioned? He has a lot of books now, but you have to start with I Am The Word. It's the first book, the first activation and give yourself grace with it. It's dense material and it takes a long time. And I find with those books, I pick them up and I put them down and I might not pick them up for months, but then when I do, it's the perfect time in my life to be mm-hmm. coming back to the energy. So it takes a while, but that book I think will change a lot of lives. So he's, he's an incredible, very clear channel and just has a beautiful message. And do you have a third one to share with us? Yeah, the third one is kind of personal. It's my dad. My dad is a writer. He's a poet. He's my biggest teacher. And definitely, I know exactly why I came here through him to learn from him. And he's just taught me so much. And the biggest gift he's given me is confidence and following my truth. And I think as a little girl, being someone who would eventually control the flow and make very sovereign body choices, you you just have to be very lucky and grateful if you've been blessed to have someone like that in your life um so I have to I know shout out to him and say thank you and he's been the biggest teacher of all for sure well I want to thank you Aisha so much for joining me in Sheffy's sandbox much love and I feel honored because I know this is not the end for us I'm going to be seeing you around and uh for sure but yeah Thank you. Thank you so much, April. Thanks for everything you do. I love you. I love you too.